that that idea of being open and 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 reconciliation and forgiveness and and it's it's really at the center of everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Even though I never realized that before, because you know you're in a rock and roll band and and, and you're touring everywhere, but all the lyrics and everything I was talking about was pretty much oriented in that way. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Between the Crews, your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And today, a great conversation with a French-Canadian artist. And uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Alex Henry Foster, um, has done the jazz scene in Montreal. Uh, this guy has uh, had a lot of accolades, quite frankly, not a guy that I was really familiar with before this conversation. But let me tell you, a great story, talked about forgiveness and reconciliation, dealing with depression, hate, violence, destruction. Um, it's incredible to see where he is now compared to where he was from. I, I would not want to know this guy 20 years ago. Uh, that would be scary. <laughs> but yes, but yes, I understand. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is this is a great story that we're going to share with you in just a bit. That is coming up. But first, you know, Drew, we've recently seen and, and, and spoken about this in the past few weeks about musicians selling their catalogs, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Stevie Nicks, others. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing I've noticed is, and, and this isn't anything new for artists either, but I've just, I guess I'm just noticing this more and more over the last few months where uh, you're seeing a few artists sell off their gear, you know, amps, guitars, yeah. whatever. Yep. Um, I, I saw recently um, one of Eddie Van Halen's guitars going up for auction. Uh, this is not the first time, of course. This is one of the ones he gave away and somebody's trying to make a buck, I guess. And mm-hmm. it'll fetch, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this guitar. Certainly not what Eddie Van Halen paid for it, if he paid anything for it, <laughs> right? Yeah, seriously. But, yeah. but uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of artists are, are selling off gear. And, and I don't know, is, is now the time to cash in on collectibles, whether it's a time for you to sell your stuff or, or to buy something that's worth something because somebody famous used to own it? What are your thoughts? I think any time is a good time to... <laughs> <laughs> to buy those kind of collectibles. But yeah, I'm I'm seeing that as well, especially like in the when I think about like some of the Canadian bands that have come up in the last like 20 or 30 years, I'm seeing a lot of those artists or musicians on Facebook or on other social media selling their stuff. Um lots of guitars for sale, drums for sale mm-hmm. at reasonable prices, like but higher than most, but reasonable, you know, so they can still make a collective items kind of money. Sure. But below enough that like people can actually afford to buy it. I'm seeing a lot more, especially since Christmas. I've been seeing that a lot more. So I'm curious about um, why now. Is it just because it's a pandemic and people need cash? 
or is there like a cool like season of people like selling things and people wanting to buy things? Well, maybe it's just them wanting to upgrade the equipment that they have. Maybe they're looking at the future now saying, okay, you know, we're going to be going back on the road. We're going to actually be able to tour again. Let's get some new gear, some upgraded equipment. You know, that these, this one guitar is kind of looking shabby now. Let's just get, you know, get rid of that, get something new, the new look, you know, kind of reinventing yes. yourselves in a sense, because a lot of people may have forgotten who you are or what you look yeah. like in a real show. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, so that could be true. part of it too. I do think the financial part is, is some of it. Like if you're going to buy new gear, it'd be nice that you can sell off something for 50 bucks and the, and the new equipment costs you a hundred. So in the end, at the end of the day, it only costs you 50, right? Like it, right. it just costs you less money because of that. Yeah. I've done both like the recouping thing, but also the, uh, I just need the cash, so I'm gonna sell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I need I need some guy. Someone sell his guitar, sell these pedals, or whatever. But usually for me, yeah, it's the recouping thing. Like I want to sell these pedals so I can get this amp, or I'm gonna sell this amp because I want this guitar. Usually that's the game that I, I tend to play the most. Yeah. Now the musician that you are, and the you know the green eyes of of um, what's that called when you're when you're looking at something and you you really want it. Um... Gas. <laughs> Gear acquisition syndrome. That's right. There's word. There's words for that. But the the uh, you know the envious, the yeah, the lust or envious or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and you're looking at stuff that you really want. Do you actually now be honest with me? Do you actually go and buy the stuff and then worry about how you're gonna you know offset the cost? In other words, okay, I bought it. It cost me more than I was anticipating. I really need to you know, find a way to help pay for this. Let me sell some of my, my gear. Is that kind of right. the way you look at things sometimes? Only, only if it's on sale. If I see something okay, okay. on sale, yeah. then yeah. A, a deal that you can't right pass then. up. Yeah, That's right. right. Only, otherwise than that, I, I sell my stuff first. That way I know for sure it's there. Because I've done that once where I'm like, yeah, I'll just buy it. And, so, and I never could sell that piece of gear or get the money that I wanted for it. So I actually came out on a loss. Right. So I'm like, okay, I never would, I will never do that again. So I'm always making sure I'm selling things first, unless it's something crazy on sale. Then I'll just jump on it. Now, as a musician and an artist, do you budget for gear? Like, do you, you know, at the beginning of your, you know, I I hate to sound organized because a lot of musicians aren't, but at the beginning of your, say, fiscal year, do you mm-hmm. do a budget and look at here's what do I here's what I want to achieve this year? Here's what I think I can make as far as revenue is concerned based on concerts. I know that's been difficult the last year or so but yeah but yeah, yeah. generally speaking do you budget for gear as well yeah so i have like two lines one it's kind of like just like the 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 like the breakables or the things i i know i'll need this year like guitar picks or guitar sure. strings yeah or those the, things the consumable, I have a for that. consumable items. right yeah exactly so i have one for that but then with gear everything changes yeah. or Technology changes. This is the thing. Or new stuff comes out. Yeah. Exactly. And so I have like a, it's like, honestly, it's just a line that's sort of there. So I know I should have this kind of money somewhere in my budget. So usually it's between like 500 and 750, which isn't enough for anything amazing. Right. But it will cover like a couple pedals or cover like. Um, amps or big amp repairs or like a major repair to an amp. Oh yeah, because you got to consider repairs as well. Like if you've exactly. got equipment going down, you need to get that thing repaired right away. You can't just like, well, when I can afford it, you, exactly. you need it right away because that's your livelihood, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I tend to sort of keep like 750 in there. Like I don't need new guitars. I don't need new pedals, but you never know. So I always have like 750 kind of lined up, which right. isn't enough for anything major, but at least it keeps me going. Yeah. So yeah. you don't need it. But you'd like it. 
I like it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think oh, there's only one time where I was like, I need this amp. And I bought it, and I've, it was the best decision ever I've ever made. Well, I, I thought you were about to say, you know, I, there was this one time I, I, I needed this amp, and I bought it, and then I figured out I didn't need it. No. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways, it is time to get into our conversation with Alex Henry Foster. Again, he's a French-Canadian artist, and uh, he's got a lot of accolades under his belt, and uh, he's got a great story. This story kind of has blown both of us away, you know, to see where he's come from, you know, on a, on a, seriously, on a serious note here where, uh, if, if you hear what he's gone through and where he started and how he used music as an outlet really to channel his energy, if you want to call it that, yeah, I, right. I can remember when I was a teenager and really, honestly, I can say that the only thing that kept me in church was the fact that there was somebody in the church that took me under their wing and taught me how to do audio and sound for for services and stuff. Because honestly, if I if I didn't have that opportunity, I don't know if I would still be attending church, right? Right. And this guy was a guy that was in gangs. He you know was full of violence. I don't know how bad he was, but it sounds pretty bad. And yeah, yeah. And yeah. if he had kept going down that road, where he would be today versus where he's come from. It's just an incredible, it's an incredible story uh, that we're going to share with you and he's going to share with us. Alex Henry Foster, Going Between the Grooves. When, when, when people are asking me about Montreal, and it's very funny because I've got some kind of a love-hate relationship with, with, with Montreal, especially about the weather. And I said, well, if someone inviting you between... November and May, early May, then you understand the, how that person feels about you, you know, and you're not. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you, know, you, you understand pretty quickly that, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And, and we've, t- we've talked with artists, uh, say in Nashville, as an example, where um, they've yeah. never been to Canada and they suggest, you know, I'm, I was thinking of coming to um you know, coming to Toronto sometime like after Christmas, like January, February, and we, and we just start laughing. It's like, do you know what you're getting into? Right? Don't bother. But, you know, oh, it's each his own. If you really want to, that's fine. I was in Nashville a few months ago. Yeah, exactly. If you want, if, if you want to, to experience something that's going to be very brutal, I mean, you know, you're more than welcome. But, I mean, who, who needs that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! So was was Montreal home for you growing up? Yes, yeah. I, I really, um, I grew up in um in the city on the island, and that was very particular at the time because I was my my parents were uh, having a lot of financial problems, so so we kept on moving around the city in all the bad places, <laughs> you know. So you're, I was always like the new kid in the in, in school. And so I could I could feel like all all the bullies being very happy about fresh meat, you know, every two months. So that was some kind of like that kind of thing that was going on all over and over again. So so it's 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 funny for me when when I say that I've got some kind of a love hate relationship with Montreal because I experienced so many one so many wonderful things, but also the foundation was pretty intense for me as a kid. So that was very um, um, that was a very unique learning experience about human nature. I would say, growing up. So that's 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 the nice way to put it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So fair enough. what, what, um, I, I mean, obviously this podcast is, is where we explore the connection between music and faith. So let's, let's talk a little bit about faith in your life and, and when did you hmm. become a believer and given all your past? Cause I know you've, you know, you've mentioned, uh, we, we know that you had a broken childhood. There was abuse. There was depression. There was thoughts of suicide. So tell us, I, I guess, how that all happened. Um, in and around your faith? Mm, I think it was witnessing how my, everything is connected pretty much to my father because my father was um, someone that was very, a broken individual and was struggling with a lot of, all the things that you mentioned, I think he was struggling uh, a whole lot with those. Alcoholism, broken home, um, poverty, uh, lack of self-esteem and a sense of failure. So that was very, very difficult for him. At the same time, he was really looking for answers and looking to find a purpose for his life. And so I was growing up, I was like looking at this man being completely uh, a total wreck and, and, and looking for answers in all sorts of things. I mean, he could have like started like, um, probably like a, like a business of like books about rocks and planets and energy and all those things, because there was so many things he was looking for that it was very, it, it was very um, distressing for me to, to see that man being so broken, but at the same time being so eager to, to find answers. So that was very, that was very um, singular in a way, but when, one night, and it, it really happened just like that. One night, he said, uh, he, he told my mother, okay, I'm going to go in just for a, for a walk, which was already, like, weird. So for me, it was like, okay, probably, like, he's going to drink with buddies or something like that, you know? And so he left, and three hours after, he came, came back home with a Bible, and, like, I found it, I found it. I know, I know, now it's everything is clear. And I was, like, looking at him, just like, Okay, that's going to be very interesting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and because I went through all those emotions as a kid, and that was very, very difficult for me. I didn't, I didn't get that thing that that positively. I would say because I was very happy for him that he found peace and 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 that he found a real profound conviction that he was. Um, um, that he, he had found like salvation and redemption and he was forgiven. But for me, the, the challenge was, that's cool for you, but what about mom and I, you know, that's what about our, um, what's the, what our part of the deal in all, in all of it, you know, because we are broken. You, you've been like, a, like it wasn't that bad, but I mean, it wasn't very uh, positive. And so that was very difficult for me to, to conciliate that faith thing and that man being like out of the sudden, like joyful and, you know, and wanted to be a dad and suddenly being a husband. And so, so I was pretty hard on him and I was like starting to, to be in, in, in street gangs and involved in a lot of violence and everything. And, and pretty much everything I wanted to do was just to, to confront him and just to, to, to make him pay in a way by my own self-destruction. So, and, and, that's, and for him, it must have been so difficult to see that because 
he felt guilty in a way. He felt very, you know, you're, you're, you're just like, you're, 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 you feel responsible. And me, I was like, I kept going and going and going, just like adding to the wounds more and more and more as I was like going deep in that, in that darkness, if you, if, if I may. And, and as I was confronting him with, with his own faith and belief, so my father was like, yeah, but, and, and especially that I was reading a lot and he said, yeah, but you never, you never read anything. You, you never opened the Bible once. So what are you talking about? So my dad kind of turned, he did like some, some judo with me, the way, the way I was treating him and trying to, 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 to make a fool of himself. Uh, he was like, yeah, but what are you talking about? So I'm going to picture you guys uh, just, just, a, just an image of having like a guy who's clearly um, representing hate and violence in every possible ways from the way he's dressed to the way he's acting. I'm in Montreal. Um, I think it was in a Metro. And so I'm, I'm reading the Bible. You know, I don't have any clue about this thing. I'm just like, I'm just looking to find something that I can like, just like keep picking on my, my father. And so there's super sweet lady looking at me and she probably said, she probably thought like, Oh wow, that's awesome. What a wonderful vision of a young man. Who's <laughs> that's looking, right. You know, who's having a real relationship with God. Right. What a sweet boy. <laughs> and then she kept on looking. Yeah, exactly. And she kept on looking at me and letting me with a smile and she was radiating. Like she was like pure joy. And, uh, and that's at one point I just went to her and said, like, Look, what are you looking at? Just, can you please stop looking at me? And she was just like, she 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 just got back in her in her seat. I, and I, I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm kind of laughing, but that that was so mean. So that was the the thing. And I, and I kept going on and going on. And and until the Old Testament was pretty cool for me, coming from like a very violent environment. So I thought that God was pretty awesome. <laughs> right. So, yeah, right. that's right. You know, that's how you that's how you deal things. You know. Oh, that's and, funny. But 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 then later on, learning and just like getting into like Christ and 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 and, and how loving He is, and then slowly my my heart starting to change towards that because I realized that. I was the product, not, not, not only of a broken home, that, that would have been too easy. So that was the narrative I was giving my dad. But the reality is I was the product of my own desperation. And, and I kept on blaming everybody else around. And so, so slowly I was, I was discovering something that was very, um, that was very touching, that was fulfilling as well. And even, if, even though I didn't feel like I was looking for a purpose or that I was lost in any way, what I realized was the fact that I was empty. I was just like, I was only, and, and the way I was dealing that emptiness was to feel that with more and more anger and self-destruction. Hmm. So, and, and because I was like used to go to church with my dad just to make fun of everybody. And <laughs> so one night, one night, one night I went there and, and you know, when, Starting from the first time you went there and everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. And to the fact that, to the point where, oh no, not him again. So that's what I was at that point with church wife. <laughs> so I just went with my dad and, and my dad was very suspicious. Just like, okay, so what, what is, what is he going to do now? And, um, 
And I, I really, uh, for the first time, I was with a friend, and I, I really, I, w- I really paid attention. And and there was like the pivotal moment was when they were saying like, "You'll know truth, and truth will set you free." And and that kept that kept inside that that kept, that that thing kept running uh, for a while. And I was wondering what what freedom was about. So that was something that kept on going within me for, for quite some time. And that, that was something that I think that really um, maybe was reflect, was a reflection of how um, bad I was feeling because I felt trapped. I was so deep into that gang thing. I was so deep into that desperation part of my life that I didn't know how. Okay, so how do you say, well, guys, you know what? We had a great time. So I don't want to play that gang thing anymore. You know, just, it's, it's not necessarily that easy. So, but I kept, I kept on exploring. And the more I was exploring, the, the more I was touched. Because for me, it was the simplicity of love rather than all the complexity of what I felt religion was about at the time. So, because for me, I saw that at the beginning as a set of rules, you know, do that or don't do that. Or, you know, you need to walk that way and you need to dress that way and so the only way i was seeing that whole thing was through um religion's eyes i would say my or my perspective my perception of what religion was about but when i discovered christ and and and, and his teaching and, and how he was loving and and how um kind and 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 and, and welcoming he was towards people that i could re- refer myself to so then i felt welcome I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to be like a certain kind of person to, to approach that thing. Because for me, it was still a thing. And so slowly, it was really through that love that, that kept like a lot of lights in, in my life. And I was just like, well, you know what? It's clear that this, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm, I just, the, the, the price to pay to, to, to keep going in that circle was too too much to ask for me now for what I was receiving at the at the time because when I joined when I joined those guys it was very because I didn't have any friends I wanted to connect I needed like some kind of a family a group um, to be acknowledged and, and 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 to be welcome but then as you grow you realize in that in 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 the, in the context of violence and hate then you realize that, wait a minute, this is, it, it's, it, this is not who I am. And if it's, and if it's who I am, this is not who I want, who I want to be. And that's the thing, because you're becoming, even though you don't, you don't want to admit it, you're becoming that hate. You're becoming that, that, right. that, that source of hatred. And, and even though I was in complete denial, I didn't want, no, I'm not like that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not that violent. No, I'm not that, that desperate. No, it's not true. But even though I was like trying to fight those, those, that truth, I realized that I was more and more miserable. So when, so when I started to slowly uh, welcome that light and, and welcome um, that notion of love, so then suddenly I was, I was able to see myself for who I was. And that was very difficult because it's like going from being like a loner to find friends who are in gangs. It could have been, I could have been like in a chess group, you know, if, if any, um, 
chess-oriented people would have, you know, welcomed me or, or, or any, like, baseball cards or whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 that thing was the only, the only people who got, like, interested in me was that kind of group. So, right. so it's not like I chose, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, this is, that's, that's all the, the different options that I have. Well, okay, I'm going to go for, you know, oh yeah, dark seems cool. Um, okay. Hiking. No, not you guys. Okay. Hatred. So, <laughs> so it was, it, it was more of a need, like of a very human uh, need to connect that led me there. But after that, even though you're saying like, well, I'm never, I that wasn't what I, um, agreed on at the beginning because this is not why, why I am. And then you, to the point where you're, you're, you're realizing, well, this is exactly who you are. You can put whatever name you want it. You can put whatever, you know, description, but this is exactly who you are. And when you realize that, then you're, you're in front of, you know, you, you need to decide, is it like, okay, do you keep going, going back to the denial phase or you're just like, well, okay, I'm going to take a dive here and I need to, I need to take a break for a while and just try to define who I am and just to, to decide where my life is going. You know, I got to say, Alex, the, the, uh, I, I think the truth of the matter is the chess club was actually scared of you. Uh, maybe. That, that's yeah, the reason, that's maybe. the reason why they didn't that's welcome the you, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe you're right. eh? So no maybe. anyone part of those groups. I'm not blaming your. I'm not blaming you guys. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But it's cool though. Like it's cool that um you know like Christ, love and light sort of made you feel less of an outsider. That's I think that's really cool. And that's a very common story with a lot of people. It's really cool to hear it within your story. I'm curious about like you know you're in that place where you're kind of like trapped in that you know web of self-destruction and gangs and hate and violence and and then you had this really cool injection of faith and light and love mm-hmm. so what what moved you towards creating and communicating through song oh way later way later for me you know music was a big part of my life growing up because it was the way my my parents were helping me to uh emancipate my world because we were since i was in a very um being being in a very modest environment uh tends to flood your perspective or imagination so the way my parents were opening my my image my my worldview was through music and and, and literature and all those things art <laughs> so music always been part of my life but it really came way after because after that when, when i when i left those hatred groups then it, it 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 was very um very difficult for me because then i was i was still associated with them from other people's perspective and and those guys didn't want to do anything with me anymore obviously so 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 i was really in a place of of of, of loneliness but also i realized that in isolation but i realized now that it was the perfect way for me to, to get some kind of a, some kind of a emotional detox, I would say. And that was the first time that I, I, I was able to, to look at myself the, through that um, mirror of love and light, because it would have been very easy for me just to say, well, you know, I'm a bad person and, 
and, and, and, and to keep waving that flag and then everybody will have come to me and just like, especially within the concept of the, the context of the church, you say, well, oh, you know, you're welcome and we're happy, which they were. But for me, I, I needed something else and that was more personal, more intimate. And that period of, of great um, isolation uh, was very, very um, uh, awesome because then I was able to, to discover things through my new faith and to discover things about love, about compassion, about forgiveness, and, and also about the reasons why I, were, I, I was dealing with those emotions in the first place. So that was very, that, it's been a very, very good thing for me. And then, uh, and then <clears throat> I started, we started to do um, communities. So having people to come and meet and talk and, 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 and share about either like um, all sorts of topics, depression and, and art. And so it was very natural. People gathered and suddenly we were like, like a, like a community. And, and, and then music slowly started to, 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 to come into play and started to, to play music with guys, met the other guys and the other member of the group at that point and in, in, in through the, the context of the community. So it wasn't like I wanted to be a musician and I became a musician and because I was like a uh, Christian, so then I was, it, it made all sense. For me, for me, it really started with the people. It started with the community, start, started with like, like that, that, that sense of communion with others and to, to, to welcome people like I felt in the very, very, very early stage of my discovery. Um, to felt, I wanted people to, to felt welcome rather than just invited. Because for me, I make like a big, big difference you can invite people and then I'm going to tell you um, why I'm right. And I'm going to tell you how awesome my life is for you to join. Even if I've got like all the best intentions in the world, but for me, welcoming, it's like I'm, whoever you are, whatever you believe, whatever, you know, if, you, if you're agreeing or not, it doesn't matter. I'm inviting you. And then we can have like a real communion together and we can share, mm. we can cry together we can we can we can we can walk in life without having agendas. I always find it's a good thing. I always find it. So for me, it all started like that. Yeah, I, I always find it's fascinating how someone's past. Uh, relates to what they're doing now and and you know the story behind all of that stuff i mean drew for you uh, you're uh delving into music completely different i mean it, for you it's just the girls right <laughs> no impossible you say that every time <laughs> <laughs> am i right but, no, I, no, well i mean I'm, i mean go ahead am go i ahead. talking to right now i thought you guys were serious <laughs> <laughs> Now we we do have a little fun Wait a once minute. in a while. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's the wrong podcast. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's the wrong show. <laughs> what am I doing? Exactly. Wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right, I'm calling my publicist right now. I'm getting back to you guys. Right. Just right. Make sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oops. Oops. Wrong number. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eh? 
Um, I'm a little curious uh, if I can ask Alex, and and this isn't, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a a comical moment here, but I'm really curious as to to the time when your dad came home, when he went for that three-hour walk, to the time that you sat in church and and when you actually listened for the first time. What kind of Mm. time frame was that? Like, was it years? Was it months? And the reason why I'm wondering is, how much hell did you put your parents through? Probably years, I would say. It's, it's, it's difficult for me to, to really um, pinpoint that like in a very precise way, but probably years. I was really, I was so messed up. And the more, and that's, that's, that's a funny story in a way, because, and, and it is very funny, because the more, the more happy he was becoming, the more miserable I wanted him to feel. Right. So yes. Since, yes. Since, since he was very, very, very happy. <laughs> so that, that kind of dance, you know, lasted for quite a long time. So, oh, and, poor and, guy. And the more, and, and the more, and my, and, and my dad was like six, three, 250 pounds, like a big guy who worked, you know, uh, manually all his life. And, and me, I'm like, you know, when on on my on my uh, hockey card, I would say like five seven, but you know, with 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 ice skates. Right. So so that was very so that was very funny to see that big guy was probably like just like praying every time not to to not to try to, to, to sit me down, you know, somewhere. And 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 the more the, the more loving he was, the more. Um, uh, the more difficult it became because as much as it's everything I ever wanted from him as a father, it's everything that was having a real impact in me. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And I just, I just realized through that how um, sensitive I was to, to that kind of, yeah, to that kindness. Mm-hmm. And even though I was like very hardcore with him, I mean, in all possible ways and he kept coming he never he never quite lose its cool and you know after a month you know discovering a new thing you say okay well it's normal but after years to see that guy still being like pretty 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 cool about all the crazy things i was coming up with so at one point i figured it, it was all it was real and then i started to look at him as um a real product of a transformation that was that was uh, real rather than just like okay well this is a new phase and you know i've seen because i've seen it all you know he was becoming he was coming back you know from i don't know where with like rocks and or he was rubbing himself with that and or other times it was like about aliens and so the guy was looking for something that never lasted but to see him being and he never he never looked transformed in any way through all of this and it's this, and I'm not talking about, you know, whether it's not good or not. For me, I just I don't even have to be judgmental about it because I'm just telling what I saw from firsthand. And, and my dad coming from a complete wreck to like out of the sudden becoming a husband, caring and caring for friends, for others, for me, taking time with me. You know, the first time my dad came to me and said, Oh, what kind of music are you listening to? I was like, oh, this is weird. And this is also a wonderful opportunity to get all those records that I never listened really 
that I never really listened to to freak him up, you know? So that was the kind of relationship that I had. But he kept coming back. And I was like, that guy is crazy. Mm-hmm. He kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And, but through him, I was able to, to see love being incarnated in a way, in, mm-hmm. in, in a very simple man, in a very simple way. It, that doesn't have anything to do with my perception that I had about quote unquote religion and church. So, so that's why for me, when I went, when I accepted the fact that, all right, this is after a few years and I said, okay, well, this is, this, this guy is, you know, this is, this is really happening and this is, it's going to stick. So, so I think that that was a moment where I was able to accepting that and acknowledging the fact that, I mean, it was pretty obvious that he was completely transformed. But then I was slowly um, opening my heart towards him and others. And, and I think the most, the most intense moment I had with my dad was a few, a few months after I, I started to, to go to church and to, to just to, to figure things out. And I don't even know if I was a Christian or, or not. For me, that, that, that tag wasn't, that didn't mean anything. And, but that moment that I had with my father was that very significant moment was when, again, big guy, big hands, you know, he can like dunk my head, you know, any time of the day, you know, just like those big hands. And, and I was just like beside him and I grabbed his hand and, and, and I looked at him and I said, I forgave you. Would you forgive me? So that was a very intense moment mm-hmm. because it was, it was, it wasn't out of like a, of like a very sentimental preach or like, it wasn't about like the music being played in minor. And then suddenly like, I'm feeling like I have to say something. It was really like out of nowhere. I just like grabbed his, like his enormous hand and just look at him. It's like, I forgive you. Would you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And that was right. very significant for me. I think that, uh, you know, it's difficult sometimes to, especially for, for um, something that is so emotional and, 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 and personal and intimate, it's difficult to put a timeline or to, to, to try to figure things out in, in a very, in a more um, concrete kind of way. Or, or So for me, it was really like that moment was pivotal for whatever happened next. So, and then I was, I, I was able to, to be, to feel a bit more free than I was before that moment. And every time we had like arguments year with years passing by, I kept going back to that moment because that was um, the most significant moment I had with him, regardless of whatever happened after or whatever like expectations I might have had towards him or him towards me. So it was, that was a foundation of something that, that was so pure, so honest. And, and so, um, uh, how can I say? So, um, it wasn't about me no more. It was just about him and just to be kind to him and, 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 and in, in a very, um, self-giving way, I would say. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why after that, it, it, 
I kept I kept growing, obviously, and and having like ideas of my own, and and having like different opportunities and and life slowly drifting me in different in different directions. But I think that that dimension to 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 offer uh, forgiveness is one of the most incredible gifts you can give anyone. Mm-hmm. And that and that's something that I'm I'm talking a lot with people because this is this is really. Um, especially for me that I, I hated him so much, even though, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't care less being in a church or, or not. I still had things very deeply rooted inside of me. Um, even as a young adult that was going back way, way back as a kid. And I, I, I was still looking at him, even though I realized he was like transformed and everything. I was still looking at him like, um, someone who should have done better or should have done differently. And then it would, I would have lived all the bad things that I lived. And, and so that was how I was seeing things until I realized that, yeah, he could have, but he wasn't in a place where he could, but my decisions, what I did, what I, what, what I, what I dwelled myself into the hate, the violence, the, the desperation, the self-destruction, that wasn't his decision. It was mine. Mm-hmm. And slowly you're taking ownership of your, of your story. You know, even that, though, that is so true. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, that you say true. that. Yeah, because, because a lot of people will use the past as an excuse uh, as to how they are now uh, versus taking ownership of it. And so that says a lot right there. Um, how has that how has that influenced your music uh in 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 many ways i think that 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 idea of being open and 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 reconciliation and forgiveness and and it's it's really at the center of everything that i'm doing mm-hmm. even though i never realized that before because you know you're in a rock and roll band and, and and you're touring everywhere, but all the lyrics and everything I was talking about was pretty much oriented in that way. And me, I wasn't always been in a general market, so I never I never felt like I had to to say things in order to to fit in different markets, or I had to say things in order to to be accepted or welcome in in, in different places. It was really I think it was out of of, of this um, contemplation about about love about others and also to be honest a little bit more honest with myself where i was about different issues because we never we never i never been someone who was like very political or or very like full-on uh activist for me it was always been about the people always been about the communion always that always about human emotions to connect with people and to do so um, you can you can preach as much as you want, but for me, and, and that's all right. That's that, that's good. But for me, I ne- it was never never ne- never really appealed to me. So it was more about connecting with people through my music and, and being honest at the moment where I'm creating that music. And that's why I'm 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 not in a bit of a shift, like in my my musical dream, because when my dad died a few years ago. And that, that fire wasn't there no more. You know, I had like some kind of like a spiritual fatigue and I heard it all 
saw it all. And, and I was very, very tired also physically, emotionally, spiritually, and, and was always on the road. We, and, 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 and we were incredibly blessed to be able to tour everywhere in the world. But I would admit that there, the, the fire that was there at the beginning, you know, wasn't there no more. It was, it, it's not like, oh, were you still bleeding? It, it wasn't about that at all. It was not even, it wasn't even about, it, it wasn't even a question. It was just, you know, kind of losing um, that, that sensitivity that at some point kept you going no matter what happened. Then I was just like doing my thing and it became only entertainment. If like you know just, what I mean. Just going through the motions, I guess, eh? Yeah, and, and, and when my and, and and I think it struck me in a very hard way because I I wasn't really um because I was always on the road and that's a per, and that's a very convenient excuse. But I wasn't really in contact with my father no more and and you know was living my life he was living his life and but there was more to it i i think that what that connection that that used to even though singular that connection might have been a bit uh off at that point because you know, I was just i kept on going in the motion i was like a dead fish going in the water you know it's very easy you feel like you're flying but you're just like in the stream but you're you're basically dead so that's where i was and when I saw my dad, like, a week before he passed, to see him being so joyful freaked me out. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. I mean, he was on his deadbed, and he was, like, praising the Lord. He was, like, so into it. That was, that, that, and for me, where I was in my life, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, what, what are you talking about? I mean, oh, you know, I'm so joyful, and... And, and, and it was in very bad shape. I, I was like, I, I wasn't even emotionally able to, to take it all in, to seem like that, being so skinny. I mean, he always been a big guy, very like tough man. And I, just for me, it was stressing to say the least. And he was so joyful. I was like, wait a minute, how can he be? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course, I, I understand. I understand, you know, that there's a party coming, but I mean, that's it, it, it's wow you're really into it you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 it was very it was um beautifully uh confronting because i went there i sat and i was looking because my biggest issue as a son was that i never been able to have conversations about where i was coming from where what what he was before at all to, to for me to understand what as an as then man was struggling with or having like um maybe like depression or things like that that were still part of my ecosystem and what I was going through at some point. And I want I needed to understand and, and I thought it was very um selfish of him to to deprive me for from understanding where we were from and, and to see him for me going, going back to see him with the intent of having those answers and to see him being so joyful was even more, uh, it was even more conflicting with my relationship with him and my relationship, my relationship with faith, because it was like, as, as 
as a man of faith, you should understand what your, your duty to leave something. And that's what we were talking. And at one point, my dad just looked at me and he told me something that was so powerful, simple, but so powerful. He said, you know, you need to leave the past behind. You need, you're, he said, Alex, I know you've never been scared to die, but you're still scared to live. And he broke me there. It was just like, that's, you know, those are those are deep words, but but yeah. really really good yeah. words. Like <laughs> talk right. about I mean, talk about a wise dad, eh? I mean, think about it, guys. I, I got there with like big shades, all the the perfect, the right haircut for the moment. You know, dress the part. I'm, a, you know, <laughs> and and I was just like a kid when when he talked to me. I was just like, you know what? This is that uniform. It's just like I'm I'm. I'm a, this is like, this is ridiculous mm-hmm. because you put so, and you don't even realize it. You put so much care in all those, all those things, but you don't realize that you're, it's, it's not, and again, I, I don't want to receive like, like hate mails. What do you mean? You don't like cool haircuts. This is not what I'm talking about. This is, but the, but, but the facade, the facade, the, the, the appearance, <laughs> the outward experience. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. You're putting so much care into that and, and, and you're losing and, and, and it's, it, it starts very slowly, you know, and it's, and then it, it, it takes so much place in your life because it's a way also to, to, to allow yourself to look the other way. And, and, and when I was seated there and my, my dad was talking and, and that was, that was probably like the second most meaningful moment after that forgiveness moment we had that that we talked together and and he just said just stop hurting yourself just why don't you follow what you have inside follow go stop you know hurting yourself like you do and 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 to, to always try to justify your um your your fear of either failures, your 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 self inflicted emotional pain. Just keep going. Stop stop looking for answers that you might that that he, either way you, you'll never be satisfied with the explanations I might give you. And 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 that was very such like a real honest kind loving moment and i was just like seated on his bed and and he just put his hand on my hand and it reminded me that moment that we had like long long before and he just said i love you hmm. i was just like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. look <laughs> no. this is whoa wait wait a minute and and again people might like listen to that and just like yeah okay well that's cool but it's it's when when you're stuck in in, 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 in in a very uh complex kind of emotional environment and, and you don't even see any ways to, to to get out of it and and that you start you're starting to learn how to, to live with it and just to accept it. Well, okay, well this is it this is you know, that's maybe genetics or whatever and this is a, you know and also we don't talk much about um mental illness in the church. It's like some kind right. of a taboo as well. You know, we should all be like joyful right. all the time. Yeah. And, that's right. But that's something that you, you don't really 
at, at least at that point that I never felt like maybe, and again, it's not, it's not about the church. It's about me. You know, I wasn't mm. talking about that right. at all. You know, that was like the hidden part, you know, that was like, so how are you happy, Alex? Of course, you know, and, and then the reasons were, of course, look, you know, this is amazing. We're touring all over the world and we're meeting so many people. But, you know, this is, yeah, but this is not, oh, cool. That's what you do. But why are you happy or, or not? So nobody had access to that because I wasn't happy. That's, that was the, the reality of it. And four days after my dad passed, I was like in Taiwan playing in front of 90,000 people. We were headlining a concert. And I didn't felt anything. I was, I was disgusted with myself. I said, what, what am I doing here? You know, asking people to jump around. What, 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 who, who does that? <laughs> you know, he says, what, what, what are you doing? And I felt so ridiculous. And because it wasn't about the show itself. It wasn't about doing the show or not. It was just me being such a fake. It's like just talking with people and just like, Oh, and just like doing my little preachy preacher about dreams and then, and then that became some kind of a formula at some point. And I was just, I was disgusted. I was just like, what, what are you doing? What, what, what's going on with you? And that was the beginning of like a long, uh, healing process as yeah, through a more mature understanding of myself. And that was very tough because then all my life was, 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 was like from one thing to another, one concert to another, one record to another. And then, and, and then you're, you're having like awards and then this and then radio. And then, and, and I hated everything about it because it was, it was some kind of a reverberation of my, of me being like, this was a reflection of me being such a fake and that, and they say, Oh, well, I'm so happy. Well, I was not. Right. Well, it's it's like going through going through the motions without you know just doing it because that's the way things are done and that's the way maybe perhaps yeah, well, all you've known but not actually time taking time for you and and analyzing you and looking at you and fixing you right. Yeah, exactly. And, I was, and that's why I said like at the beginning, just like being a dead fish. You know, everybody's like, oh wow, you still have a bit of colors and and, and enough to attract. Or, or to say, wow, that's, that's awesome. And, oh, look, look at the fish going so fast in the stream. And but, I mean, what, what people were maybe impressed or fascinated with was the stream. It wasn't that was me. I was like completely out of it. So, and also how do you, it, it, the moment when you stop is, is when you turn to your best friends because again, we all came from nothing. We didn't do nothing. It was all based on friendship, on working that we, we and, and, and yeah, luck and, and, and all sorts of like different um, opportunities that we, we were able to get to that point. And we were a record away to, to become like, uh, um, yeah, something that would, would have been very uh, more successful, I would say. Let's put it that way. And sure, so sure. then I had to turn to my friends and just say, well, you know what, guys? I think that I'm having like, like, I think I think I'm I'm dealing with depression right now. I'm 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 helpless. I feel desperate, and I need now some time to to look into it, to 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 grieve my father. I never mourned him. We kept on growing, and so I need to address major things from. Um, 
a different perspective now. And so, so for me, that was difficult to envision, but also that was the perfect excuse just to say, well, I don't want to do that to my friends. But even though all my friends were trying to talk me out of this thing, because and to take some, you need to take some time, you need to take some time, you need to take some time, because I was miserable. You know, I was putting my 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 uniform every night to do my thing, and then I was putting that back, just like like a sad clown every night, never smiling, and then suddenly, oh, you know, you need to go and do an an interview, and you're just like someone that looks like, wow, that that guy looks so uplifted, and that. That you know, was just like nonsense. You know, it's, it, it, what's interesting, Alex, is everything that you've said, this whole conversation that we've had with you, you're, you're a very visual person. Every, every example that you've given, I can visualize in my mind. Like, I, yeah. I can see you sitting beside your dad having that first conversation, the forgiveness conversation. I can see you in church when it suddenly hits you and, and you start understanding. I can see you when you, you when you just said, you know, taking off the clown suit. Like I can visual all That's of right. that. That's right. Like that is that is that that is brilliant. If I can say I'm I'm not I don't have that ability. Right. I, I really don't. I don't have that ability to to visualize as much as you do. That's maybe it's the Montreal Canadian thing. I don't know. You know? Oh yeah. That or maybe it's the French Canadian roots trying to speak English in a proper way. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Listen, Alex, what a what a pleasure chatting with you. And I mean, we didn't even get much into your music, but we'll definitely uh, you know plug your your stuff and and get everybody you know listening to your stuff and and point them into you know to your website and all to your socials and stuff like that. Um, but what a Wait, great that, conversation. That, that, that was it. That was the interview. What do you mean? I thought we were just like chit chatting before, well, like actually well, recording. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's exactly. Right. And that's, that's the exactly kind of conversations right. we just love. I mean, here that's just right. talking about forgiveness and healing and reconciliation. What a what a great encouraging conversation, especially for people that. I mean, you don't even have to be in the music business to to enjoy a conversation yeah. like that because this this impacts everybody really at some at some point in their life where whether it's a relationship gone sour or their relationship with God, this is, this is, this is gold. This is great stuff. But I don't know if I'm good for giving images, but I'm not very good at selling stuff as you can see. <laughs> selling stuff. Yeah. Right. People would say, so have you, have you talked about the records? Oh, oh no, they'll talk about it later. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but yeah. thank you guys for real. It's, it's, it's again, I'm, I'm very humble because I haven't, I haven't done much, of like um, that kind of podcast and interviews. Most of the time we're talking about like music, about things that I'm, I'm maybe more, I won't say comfortable, yeah. but that, I'm, that I've been uh, blended into for so long. So for me, talking with you guys, and, and, and it's, it's so refreshing because it's allowing myself to, to, to drop all, all the narrative that I'm, I'm so used to, to drop all the words that I'm so used to say and, and repeat for like campaigns and so sure, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's so refreshing for me because then it goes back to the human thing. You know, that's, that's the level that I'm interested in now. Just that, that, just to be honest, well, this is, I don't have all the answers, but this is my story. And, and this is that platform where we can share together. And, and, and from that point on, so then we can um, welcome each other and, and, and keep building. So that's why I thank you so much, guys. I was a bit nervous. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be very honest. <laughs> well, you, you was, did really well, man. And, and 
and that's what we're all about. We're all about digging into people's stories. And so we appreciate your yeah. honesty, your vulnerability. And, your, and, and for not it, making it, this just, an interview, right? Yeah. Just, like, just it's, a conversation. It's really, really important. <laughs> it's really, really important to us that we have these kind of conversations. Yeah. So thanks for, for just opening up and, and, and just, just being real and honest. It was so, so good to hear your story and hear what you're Thank all about. Thank you so about. much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope we'll have the chance to chat a little bit more. Thanks, Alex. Take have care, a great man. one. Have a great day. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Forgiveness and healing. Great story. And and, and mm. the nice thing is it's not a story, really. It's it's a um, right. it's it's his life and it's many other people's life. Right. That's right. So to hear the reconciliation between him and his dad and I really like what he was saying about not hiding in the end, realizing that you can't hide behind your outward appearance. You have to deal with that stuff inside. So whether it's the depression or, or, you know, blaming your past on the way you are now, like he's, he's moved on. Like he's, he's a different person. Like, can you imagine what it would have been like 20 years ago or how, you know, however, when he was still in the gangs and stuff, I mean, that's a total transformation right there. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It was awesome to hear how he took those elements of, you know, hate and violence and self-destruction and turn it all into like amazing moments of learning for him. Yeah. Like it's, it, it made him the man who he is right now. Um, and so he can take these things and, and be like, yeah, I'm glad I'm out of that. But he's learned so much through that, um, through evolving from A to B. Right. And so it's re- again, it's really great for us to hear, hear that story, hear that narrative, hear his learnings and kind of like have a glimpse of the man who he is now yeah. through the lens of who he was before. It was really, really good. If you want to find out more about his music and his shows coming up, go check out his website, alexhenryfoster.com. All details are all there. Well, let's get to our artist's advice this week. Ryan Williams from River Valley Worship. A couple of tidbits for us here. On a life level, I would say, don't for a single second waste a single second on worrying about anything. God is orchestrating things behind the scenes. He is in charge of your timeline. I spent so much time in despair because I worried about this thing or that thing. I was fearful about this thing or that thing when it came to you know where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do with my life. And God had my, my steps ordered the whole time. And so I wasted so much time worrying. So I would say, don't worry for a second. And then the second piece of advice on more of a creative level would be just don't edit too soon. Do your thing, make your music, build your craft. And when those um, moments of inspiration come, just let it come and get it out. Don't worry, God has everything under control. And uh, I guess from your perspective, Drew, uh, this don't edit thing probably that's <laughs> very, yeah, very that's important it, as well. Eh? Yeah, that's one thing I tell a lot of the people that I mentor in songwriting or production. Just don't edit too soon. Just let it come out. Let it sit there. Let it just you know, let it lie there for a bit. It's too you don't want to edit too fast. You don't want to and you don't want to censor yourself too quickly early on the stage. Mm-hmm. Let it happen. Let it flow out. That's an important step. Good stuff. Well, that is it yeah. for this week, folks. Uh, once again, we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. You can leave us a rating and a review. That, of course, just helps us reach more people all the time. And, of course, you can find us on all the social media as well, at least the, the important ones anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Facebook. Apparently, we don't like Instagram. So you can find us there at Between Grooves. Um, we would love to connect with you there and chat it up. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you there. And if not, we hope to see you right here, right back on this amazing show that we love to hang out with you on Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves. I was trying to be dramatic there. Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves. I've got to say it lower. Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves. You're just saying it the same way over and over again. Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves. It's like this loop. Between the Grooves. That sounded better, actually, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. You're nuts. You're crazy.